going to invite you to stand. Uh, in our series, where uh, today is the Word. And uh, the written Word, the Scriptures say um, that, uh, well, the Scriptures say, they, they testify to Jesus. And so we're going to do that in singing this morning. So would you join us as we sing and celebrate and worship the Lord Jesus Christ? Sing your word stands firm. Your word stands firm through the fire in the flood. When the weight of all the world crashes down on us, you will hold us up by the power of your love. Your word stands firm. drown yours out. You are speaking still in the quiet you reveal. Your word stands firm. Nothing compares to this. 
praise to the Lord. Let's make that our declaration this morning. And let's sing it as one voice. Praise to the
Great job, team. Hey, why don't you say hello to your neighbor as you're being seated? <clears throat> Invite him over to the house for breakfast. Are you thankful for air conditioning this morning? You know who created air conditioning? God. That's what it said. You had Colossians 1.16 up there. He created all of it. So God created it. It's good to see all of you this morning and welcome to fellowship. It's great to have you with us. If you're new with us or you haven't been here in a long time, let us know. We'd like to uh, get you involved in what's going on here because we want to change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. That's our vision statement. Help us do it. Jump in. All right. You've got a part. And uh, you can... QR code and text and all that stuff up there that you need to do. Yep, there it goes. It's back. Hey, we want to tell you about a couple of things. Uh, Student Activities Fund 
I believe that's our next announcement. Uh, we created this a couple of years ago because camps and so forth just keep getting more and more and more expensive. And, and families who have several kids, it's just really tough for them to decide who's going to get to go because they can't afford all of them. And so I met with our student ministry and said, let's create a fund. How many of you in this room have been to one of our camps and retreats? Yeah, all over the room. And you know what a life changer it is. And so once a year for about a month, we put this up so that all of us can make donations. And then when our student ministry uh, workers find out that we've got a student who can't afford to go or whatever, they have funds that they can designate to take care of so that no one gets the denied uh, the access to go to camp. So keep that in mind. Help us out with it. Like I said, it's just open for about a month. It's open right now. And uh, you can help some kids out, help them go to camp. And then Samaritan Community Center, uh, some, we have our backpack for kids. They're putting together 4,000 backpacks. And to do that, they need our help. And so the information's on the screen there. Uh, pocket folders and white ruled paper is needed. You can drop it off in the foyer next week. And if you haven't noticed, there's a new building for Samaritan Community Center going over, uh, going in on, on over on the corner of Pleasant Road and Laurel. If you've driven by that and you didn't know what it was, that's it. And the farm is right across the little valley there. We're going to move from feeding uh, or providing about 14,000 pounds of food for the poor every year to about 200,000 pounds. And so it is going to be a game changer uh, for our area. And we thank God uh, for the opportunity to do that. Hey, it's great to see all of you this morning. Would you watch this? Hi, Fellowship family. This is Pastor Matt Hodges from Wind First Assembly of God. I just wanted to send a heartfelt thank you for your donation and gift to our community here in Wynn. Uh, behind me is a house of one of our members of our church. And as you can see, it's been pretty devastated from the tornado, pretty much a total loss. And because of your generosity and your help, we were able to gift this family some money to help them with their immediate needs and other families just like the jumpers uh, with needs in their own lives. And so we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart. And we're so glad that we're a part of the family of God. Hey, Fellowship Church. My name is Jeff Redding and I'm on staff at Pine Lake Church in Mississippi. And I wanted to reach out and just say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Not too long ago, tornadoes wreaked havoc across our state, and it wasn't very long after that. One of your elders, Mickey Rapier, he reached out and wanted to know how you guys could pray for us, but he also sent us a very generous gift on your behalf that's gone to families and people all across our state directly that were impacted by those tornadoes. We've been able to tell them there's a church in Northwest Arkansas that believes what we believe, that there's a God in the heavens who loves them. We've been able to take them the love of Jesus because of your generosity. It overwhelmed us, it encouraged us, and it just reminded us we're not in this alone. So it's a privilege for us and an honor really to partner with you to see the kingdom come and to bring the love of Jesus to people that are hurting. And so I just wanted to say thank you for your generosity. Pray you never stop being a generous church. And I hope you have a great week. Never stop being a generous church. And I hope you have a great week. And I wanted to take a moment to just celebrate that because Fellowship is a very generous church. Whenever there is a need and we can find a partner to work with in those areas, we open that disaster relief uh, portal on our website and you are incredibly generous. Over the last eight months, we have been able to provide uh, for uh, families, individuals in Turkey, uh, Mississippi, Springdale, we're still helping people in Springdale who lost everything, that tornado there, uh, Little Rock, Wynn, Arkansas, I mean, the list goes on. And uh, over the last eight months, you've provided over $220,000 for us to uh, donate and help in those areas. Yeah, you have. It, incredible. And you see two families on the screen. We have a, a young lady on our staff who is from Wynn, Arkansas, and she was able to connect us with folks there in Wynn that we partnered with. And these are two families. Uh, you can see the one gentleman who has the brace on uh, when the tornado hit, he was covering his three children. And when it hit their house, it 
broke his back, didn't hurt the children, uh, but it was a very frightening event for them. They lost everything. They didn't have insurance. And I was able to get the phone numbers for both these families, and I called and said, if we could help you financially, what would you do with the money? And it was immediately both of them. We want to provide housing for our family and kids. And we sent them a very significant gift, and there were tears. I, I, I wish I would have recorded their response because they were just blown away by what fellowship, a, a group of people that doesn't know them were willing to do for them. So fellowship, great job. Great job. Thank you so much. Hey, let's pray together for a moment. Oh, Lord, thank you for providing for us, for all that you've done. And we are just so grateful, Lord, for your work in our lives. And this morning, Lord, as we focus on the rhythm of the word in our lives, just open our minds and our hearts and teach us, Lord, from your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 19, Psalm 19, it's a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. And nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. Enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much purer gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. And then I will be blameless, innocent of the great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. O Lord, add blessings to your word this morning. C.S. Lewis wrote of Psalm 19, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. David here not only recognizes the revelation of God in creation, but also the revelation of God in his word. We'll talk more about that in a moment. The Word of God, there's nothing like it in all the world. We are blessed to live in an age when we have God's authoritative, authoritative complete, inspired, and sufficient Word to us. Someone has written an acrostic on the Bible. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. We need to know what it says so that we can live in a way that God would have us live. The Bible is a narrative of the, of the triune God pursuing the salvation of mankind. I love in Nehemiah 8 when Ezra began to read the word of the Lord to the people. And they stood and they began to weep before God. 
it was because the word shone light on their sin and they were grieved by it. The Bible doesn't consist of random words concocted by people spanning the centuries. Study the scriptures carefully and you'll find unity and alignment. Uh, Prophecies written in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament hundreds of years after they were written. Just look at Psalm 22. If you've never taken the time to read Psalm 22, it was written a thousand years before the crucifixion, and it vividly describes exactly what happened at the crucifixion of Christ. That's your assignment for this week, to read through Psalm 22. Paul told Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. The writer of Hebrews said, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living and active. And then Peter wrote, For prophecy, no, he said, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along. By the Spirit. The Bible is written in three languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It was written over a span of fifteen to 1,600 years. Written by more than 40 authors on three continents. Asia, Africa, and Europe. It's a library of 66 books that reflect divine unity and truth. It should be carried not only in our hands, but also in our hearts. When you store the word of God inside you, when you memorize, when you work at it over and over just to memorize those words and bury them in your heart, when difficult times come or when strategic times come in the life of someone else, those words come rising to the surface, don't they? At just the right time, the Holy Spirit will bring them to your mind and your heart, and you can use them. And if you're going through a tragic and difficult time, you can't read. You you can't comprehend if your heart is broken. You, You can't even think. But during those most difficult times, That word that's stored inside you, it comes bubbling to the surface. Like these words where Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Just that reminder can change your whole outlook. Charles Spurgeon once said, the Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. It's a good word. The good word. Through the years, the scriptures have meant so much to me. And and, and I began to memorize it as I read it. And things would jump off the page. Things that I had read years before jumped off the page. I mean, beginning with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do I need to know more? Do I really need to know more than that? He created it. I remember a time when I was going through difficulty and I I was reading and and I had read the Bible through several, several times and, and this verse jumped off the passage. Uh, jumped out of the, 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 the Bible. This passage jumped out of the Bible at me because I'd never noticed it before. But because I was going through a tough time and I only got comfort from reading the Word and I didn't know if I would ever feel the same way again, I read these words from Job. If I go to the east, he is not there. Speaking of God. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he's at work in the north, I don't see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. And here's the kicker. He said, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. 
Some of you may be in that spot right now and you need that verse. Psalm 23, I don't know how many times I have prayed this psalm over someone as they were dying. The Lord is my shepherd and I'll never lack for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his, name, his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. You prepare a feast before me while my enemies are looking on. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Finish it forever. No sweeter words than that. Probably the first scripture I memorized was one that my mother had memorized before she became a Christian. And the reason she had it memorized is because she had a school teacher who would stand every, before every class and she would quote this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. Let's stop right there. That Hebrew word for acknowledge is yada. Yada. You've heard it before. Yada, 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 yada. It means I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. In all your ways, yada him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, to actively know his presence in your life. In Actively know his presence in your life. And what does he do in return? Then he will direct your paths or he will make your path straight. In other words, he takes the curves out of the road. Because that's where we have the wrecks, right? He takes the curves out of the road. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Such a significant and beautiful scripture. And then Isaiah you know, I appreciate so much our worship team this morning. It's the job of every worship leader to help grab our attention and take us to the throne room of God. That's what, that's what a good worship leader does. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see that, that God gave Isaiah a glimpse of the throne room. It, it, it's incredible. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Imagine that. And above him were, were seraphim, angels. And he says they were flying. They had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. Humility, with two, they covered their feet. Service, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole, the whole earth is full of his glory. And it says, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah saw all that. And he said, woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm dirty, and everybody I know is dirty. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the angels flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched it to his lips and said, see. This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. I'll go. You see, that gives us the picture of the process of worship. When we come to worship God, not just in here, Anything you do has the possibility of becoming an act of worship if you have the right perspective. 
But when we see God in all of his beauty and glory, then we see ourselves and we see our sin. And then we're reminded that, that, that Jesus Christ and his death on the cross is sufficient for all of us and for our atonement. And we can be clean before him, not because of what we have done, because of what he has done. And then we say, here am I, send me. Let me tell other people what you have done for me. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, I've shared this verse with so many people who struggle with things in their past. Because Isaiah wrote to him, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it? Now, I have to tell you, that's the Mickey International version of that last phrase, okay? That's a, he actually says, do you not perceive it? But I said, can't you see it? I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it? He says, I make a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I can do the impossible. I can do the impossible. And yes, he can. After being in vocational ministry over 40 years now, I've seen him do impossible, incredible things in the lives of people. When I was um, in high school and I was really struggling because I, I wanted to follow God, I really did, but the world was calling. The world had so much to offer that I wanted to taste and see. But the Holy Spirit would not let me go. And one day somebody sent me a card thanking me for doing something for them. And on the front of it was this little verse, Isaiah 60 and 1. I can still remember that green card. And that scripture was written on it. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Me? Me? And then when I got to college, I was still fighting God. I was running from him as hard as I could. But he just kept pulling me. You see, I was miserable. That's the way it is once you've tasted the goodness of God. If you try to run from him, you're miserable. Because you've tasted his goodness. And I was running from him. So finally, I went to the Bible bookstore and I bought a King James Bible Thompson chain reference. And I began to read that Old Testament. I couldn't understand it, and so I flipped over to the New Testament. I thought, new, maybe I can understand this. But when I got to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, and he was talking about meeting all of the needs of his people, it was like he said to me from verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you as well. The time of my life, I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do or how I would make a living or any of those things. God spoke to me and said, you take care of my business and I'll take care of you. You take care of my business and I'll take care of you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Everyone I disciple or mentor, I have them memorize this verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. And now catch this. And do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Don't we all want to know what God's will is for our lives? Would somebody nod? Don't we know? Don't we want to know? What is God's will? Where should I, what should I do? It says this is how you know the will of God. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It comes by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. My goodness, there's so much out there. There's the news media, there's social media, there's all that stuff that's trying to grab our attention. We do not filter the Bible through culture. We filter culture through the Bible. If this book says it's wrong, it's wrong. And we are always going to say it's wrong for the good of those experiencing that. 
So we've got to change the way that we think. And so that takes us to Philippians 4, 8. What should we think about? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Guard your heart and your mind. Guard what you think about. It's all right there for us. And then when you do that, Galatians 5, 2 and 23 comes into play. The Holy Spirit starts moving through you and the fruit of that spirit in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the kind of life you really want before God. And it's all found right here. It's all right there. All right there. And every time I, I lead someone to Christ... I take them to John 6, 47. And, and in all my Bibles, I have signatures in there with dates around them. I would encourage you to go to John 6, 47 and, and, and write down the date, sign your name when you accepted Christ. And I always tell them, when doubts come, not if they come, but when they come, go back to this verse, John 6, 47, because it's the words of Jesus that say, I tell you the truth, the one who believes will have eternal life, period. That's his promise. Not mine. The one who believes will have eternal life. You sign your name to it and you date it and you bank on his promise. And then the incredible promise that we have in Scripture that one day the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are left will be caught up. Literally, the Greek word is snatched up. We'll be, we will be caught up in the clouds to meet them in the air. And there we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Just say to somebody, he's coming back. He's coming back. Believe it. He's coming back. That's the word of God given to us. It's a feast set before us with, with principles that encourage us in difficulty. With, they comfort our sorrow. They encourage us in our victories. It's a treasure chest that's, that's packed with fortunes yet to be mined. We find the path to forgiveness. We find forgiveness for our sins, and we find hope for all eternity. So here's my question. How is, it, how is it that we are so comfortable neglecting and ignoring this book? How is it that we're so comfortable letting it sit on the shelf and collect dust? How is it that we're okay with that? When this is how God speaks to us through his word, it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Let's look at Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19. Let's don't do Psalm 119. That's a long one. Uh, let's do Psalm 19 again. Just, just for a second, let me show you a couple of things. Uh, David declares, the heavens declares the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. It's deafening. It's deafening. We see God in everything, and we're told that in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the invisible qualities of God are seen in creation. Even his eternal power and divine nature are seen in what is made. And that we are accountable for our response to this divine revelation. Did you know that? 
just by what we see. That what God has put together, we are accountable to him for it. And because he wants us to draw near to him, he gives us his word. You see, David made a hard break there that he goes directly to the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise simple people. Precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, giving light to the eyes. They endure forever. They are righteous. They are uh, more precious than gold. They are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. And that takes us back to Romans 1 again. That he tells us that because of the revelation in creation, because of the revelation in his word, he says we are without excuse. There's no excuse for us to ignore God and to walk away from all that he offers us. And then he gives us an illustration of how God cares for us. He says, by them your servant is warned. We're warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? We need a guide. We need the book to tell us what's right and wrong. He says, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. The book guides us through this life. And then he gives us a benediction. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So. You make a new commitment through this rhythm series that you're going to spend more time in the Word. And you look at all the Bibles. Maybe you decide, I'm going to buy a new Bible and I'm going to write it. I'm going to mark it and I'm going to do all that. And you look at all the translations and you go, oh no, which one should I read? It's everywhere. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about that. There are a lot of translation models out there and the translation committees strive for excellence, accuracy, readability. They've done a good job for us in that. When King James Version was finished in 1611, they only had seven Greek manuscripts to study, contrast, and compare to their languages that they were writing in, to the English language which they were writing that. They only had seven. You know how many we have now? Over 5,600. So the Bible that we read today is more accurate than any in history. And let me tell you this. A lot of people look at the King James and they will say, well, that's a word-to-word -word translation. That's the most accurate. There is no such thing as a literal word-to-word -word translation of the Bible. If it were, it would look like this. Look at John 3.16. In this way, for he loved the God, the world, so that the Son, the only that he gave, in order that each the believing into him, not he perish, but he has life eternal. How would you like to read the Bible like that every day? So be grateful for the translation committees and the work that they have done for us. Uh, we have the New American Standard Bible, and there's just been a new one that's been created, the, the New American Standard 2020. I know many of you have used the New American Standard for a long time. And these translations and the formal equivalent are more focused on the words. What is the meaning of the words? And then I've given you others there. You can go back and look at the slides. The English Standard Version is another one. That's, that's one that we use a lot here at Fellowship. And then there's dynamic equivalents. The NIV, the NIV 2011 is what I use. I really like that. It's very readable. And uh, for simple people like me, I can comprehend it better. Uh, there's also the Holman Christian Standard Version. But it's more of a phrase-to-phrase, -phrase, a thought-to-thought. -thought. What were the original uh, writers trying to convey to those original hearers? And then there's another one, the optimal, optimal equivalent. The Net Bible, the New English Translation. You can get that at Bible.org. It's incredible. And the notes that go along with it will help you understand the meaning of certain words. And by the way, the NIV and the ESV both used the net to help them interpret the right words for the English language. So that's another one. And then you have uh, uh, 
well, there are others with that, but then you have paraphrases like the New Living Translation. That, that's a very easy, and someone who's very new to the faith, that will, that's one I will give them to read. You say, I don't know about a paraphrase. Well, Chuck Swindoll just did a study Bible with an NLT, and, so I, and a lot of other uh, great uh, theologians have as well. So it, it is something we can study. I wouldn't use a paraphrase for my primary study, but I use it to read. And then there are extensive paraphrases, like the message or the living Bible, the story Bible. Sometimes they just give you a different perspective. So here's a question. Which one should you read? Which one should you get? Here's the one. The one you're going to pick up and read every day. The one that you're going to pick up and read every day and pour it into your heart. That's the one you should get. We often rush past the time of, of the word and prayer. We don't need to rush past it. Satan will convince us, oh, you can come back to it later in the day. But it never comes. We need to set time every day to make sure that it's a priority in our lives. Just compare it to food. You're not going to miss many meals, are you? Don't miss out on the word. Don't neglect the word. Fall in love with the Word of God to the point that you have hunger pains if you miss it. Remember, you don't feel your way into a new way of acting. You have to act your way into a new way of feeling. That's the way it is with disciplines. If you want to be disciplined about reading the Word, you have to act your way into a new way of feeling. Desire that Word. Peter said this. Oh, Peter, the guy who denied the Lord, he said, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Well, that would be my desire for each and every one of us in this room that we would fall in love with the Word of God and it would be like the morning star rising in our hearts every time we pick it up. Let God speak to you. You really can't live without the Word because they are the words of life. Would you bow for just a moment? And would you just do some business with God about your relationship with His Word? to spend more time in it, to memorize it, to read, pray, listen, respond to Him. It will change your life. Just talk to Him for a minute. Play. 
Jesus, I love, I love you. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the living word, the written word. And Lord, we know it is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. So Father, we just say thank you. Thank you for giving us such a treasure. Help us be motivated by your goodness and your grace and your love while we approach it. And Lord, we'll give you the glory for what you do with it in our lives. Again, we thank you and we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, fellowship family, the prayer room's open. If you want to take advantage of that, over here to my left, down the hallway, the prayer room's open if you want prayer. If not, be safe as you go and we'll see you next week.